Hello and welcome to Listener Questions, the longest running a Game of Thrones LCG podcast that cynically waits until it has a captive audience to relaunch. I am your regular host James Ormsley and I am joined uh, for this episode and indeed this season by my special guest Colin Weir. Say hi Colin. Hello. Um, so your role I guess in the community over the past few years at this point really has been sort of as head rules guru would you say? Yes, it seems it has developed that way. Um, and then, obviously, beyond that, a prominent member of the Chicago meta, routinely doing well in various tournaments, and now, presumably, I, at the time we're recording, I don't know how long I'll take about uh, you know editing and releasing this, but at the time of recording, you've been elected to the Conclave as presumptive Maester of Laws, but the actual final positions haven't been decided and published yet. Is that correct? That is mostly correct, I think, with the small exception of uh, doing well at various tournaments. <laughs> but I appreciate your generosity. Having played you in the cut of worlds, I think it's fair to say you're <laughs> at least not wholly terrible. Well, that's that's fair enough. I Greatest compliment that I can ever give someone that, to be honest. <laughs> oh, and also a generous man who bought me a pizza from the FFG cafe at the most recent worlds. Ah, uh, yes. And I, um, in turn, I have to say, first time in the Listener Question Studios, it's quite nice. Thanks uh, very much. I very, very much like what you've done with the place. <laughs> right. Our, uh, our question for this episode comes from Alistair MacDonald, and it is, which do you think makes for a more balanced game that weighs up faction identity, a diversity of archetypes and accounting for different playstyles, in-faction answer cards to different mechanics and card types, or neutral cards filling a similar role. For example, Brattleshirt's Raiders versus We Do Not Sow slash Shadow of the East. So, Colin, which do you think makes for a more balanced game type, etc.? So, like I think was sort of at the beginning of the question, I think really there's the two things that you have to weigh, right, is balance and kind of diversity. I'm certainly somebody that likes making choices in deck building. I like different decks. I find homogeneity boring, and so which is part of why you know things like Kingdom of Shadows, where it seems like everybody takes the same set of, of shadows cards and brings them in. I, I that's boring to me. So in that regard, I always sort of favor in faction answers to things uh, because it you know hopefully they're a little bit different. But of course, you have to have some neutral answers or else. You know, if a faction has no answer to something, can't bring in a neutral answer, then that can just lead to a lot of unfun games, right? So obviously you have to balance those two, I guess, concerns uh, from, a, from a meta perspective. So I think in general, right, there, there's certainly mechanics or card types that need neutral answers. Um, and I think actually... The example of We Do Not Sew versus Rattleshots Raiders was a great one because in the core set days, milk was very strong, very prevalent. So everybody needed some way of potentially, you know, answering that. But some factions, Greyjoy in particular, perhaps had a better way with, with We Do Not Sew. And I think that's a great example of having a neutral answer to something that's widely present, but a faction having a, sort of a more specific answer that fits more into their themes and, and maybe gives you a reason to play that faction. Yeah. 
I completely uh, 100% agree with all of that in short. Um, I think it's important to get a balance between the sort of like being a baseline neutral answer and then allowing factions to specialize because it's sort of, I mean, to, you know, borrow a term from magic, it's essentially what makes up the color pie, right? Like if every faction can answer every effect that's thrown at it equally, then what's, you know, other than theme, what are you actually choosing between when you're choosing between the different factions? Yes, exactly. Um, but at the same time, I agree with you that I think there should be a baseline answer. Um, it's like there's a card from the Targ box, uh, Lay Waste, which I remember at the time it sort of very first came out was quite divisive, um, with a lot of people saying, you know, having a neutral answer card that can just take out any location is too strong. Like that should be, you know, that that sort of effect should go into specific factions or it should be faction specific. But I quite like that because it's quite a weak effect, really, just from the fact that you have to wait until the dominance phase, you're paying a gold, they get to replace it with another location. But having it as a neutral effect means that we can't just get in a position where, I don't know, like, let's say, let's, for example, let's say Dawn is a problem because it's you know too efficient in how you can draw cards. I don't actually think that is the case that it's a problem, but you know, for hypothetical sake, we'll say it is. Right. If the only way you could really get rid of that was either by using either going heavy military aggro and using put to the torch, or by using, you know, Greyjoy unopposed location hate, or I guess, you know, pyromancers, which is even more inefficient than uh, than lay waste is then it will be a problem for the game and Dawn would get restricted. And I mean, Dawn was restricted in part for that reason. At the time, the only real faction that could handle all the card draw that Martel was getting was Greyjoy. And it was making for, you know, quite a uh, quite a stilted metagame where if Martel faced a faction that had the answers, then it lost. And if it didn't, then it won. Right. And by giving every faction the ability to include an answer if they want, you know, it allows you to make the decision on a deck building level whether you want locations to be a weakness in your deck or not, rather than just being, well, I'm not playing Greyjoy, so if the opponent's on locations, I'm screwed. But otherwise, here we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, that's another, I think that's another really good example. Um, because like you said, it is a weaker camp counter, but it stops that, it's that, that release valve concept, right, of, of if something like Dorn is really running the meta, you have at least some out um, for it. And and I think another thing with with Lay Waste in particular is there are counters to the counter, you know, there there's there's back and forth. Um, which is another nice thing to have it, particularly in a neutral answer. So one one particular card that kind of transitions into another particular answer that I wanted to talk about in particular the the ever controversial Vince because for a couple of reasons one you know I think that like you mentioned earlier a faction shouldn't necessarily be able to answer all the threats posed to it and I think for a long time you know character abilities were something Greyjoy didn't have an answer to and then suddenly they not only had an answer they had an extremely powerful answer because of the second thing which is Vince doesn't have a whole lot of counterplay. Right. I mean, obviously, you can cancel his effect when when somebody goes to, to use to trigger. But other than that, you know, you, there's there's and again, that's a that's a relatively limited answer. And and you know, there's there's not, it's not 
on the board. It's not like waiting until dominance. You know, again, it's much trickier. And so perhaps in a different faction, that would have been a little bit less strong. But in a faction that already had, I guess, what I would call one of the two answer themes, right? Greyjoy was sort of, sort of always been the, the answer to location faction. And so now you also give them a very strong answer to characters. And I think that, you know, we saw the Greyjoy meta for, for a while because of that. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think Drown God Fanatic, it's one of those cards where Vince, when he created it, he won the champ card design from first edition, where one of Greyjoy's prominent themes was being the cancel faction or cancel house because it's first edition. So we had houses, not factions. In second edition, uh, yes. that cancel theme kind of sits between Lannister and Martell, I guess. You got, you know, he calls it thinking in Martell as a prominent example. You've got treachery, and obviously, since Drowngod Fanatic came out, you've got the Red Keep uh, for Lannister. And it sort of stuck out like a sore thumb in Greyjoy. Yes, it did. I think, yeah, because like you were, you know, that, that sort of that color pie concept. Um, I know, I mean, I'm certainly not <laughs> the biggest into magic, but I know I've read a little bit. It's interesting to read some of their design articles if you're somebody that's into that kind of thing. And I know one thing they've talked about is the dangers of what they call breaking the color pie. And, and I think that's what Vince did and kind of shows. And like as a card in general, it's potentially interesting. I think it's just the, I mean, there's still some, some, things I have with it, right? The the hidden nature with no cost. But but there's some interesting design space there. It's just in a faction that already has answers to other things. Yeah, it start it was sort of almost the card where it became like Greyjoy's theme was being good at everything. Yes. Because it already had a you know a wonderful selection of big characters. It had saves from Risen from the Sea and Iron Mines. It had the location hate. It's like what can't it do yet? Oh, character abilities. Let's have it so it can cancel character abilities. Yep. And so I think something that's a little more, maybe would be a little more interesting, because another thing I, when I was looking at this question, something I thought about was interesting about in-faction answers is you don't always have to answer things directly. So the specific example I thought of is character abilities. So obviously there's, there's cancel, right? Like you mentioned, treachery or uh, because of thinking. But there's also effects like High Garden, or, you know, icon stealing, where, you know, it can't answer all the character abilities, but for somebody like Drogon, you know, if you're playing if you're playing Lannister, you can just treachery it, but if you're playing Tyrell or, or Martell, maybe you, you know, you take the military icon, you remove him from the challenge, and he can't ever trigger his ability. So things like, you can do things like that, where, where they can answer certain character abilities, but they can't, they can't answer, you know, like Tyrell and Martell can't necessarily answer the the passive abilities like, uh, uh, I don't know, a Queen Cersei or, you know, the things that trigger just... Yeah, like Mace Tyrell, I remember being very annoying for Baratheon players who were otherwise trying to win by kneeling you out and then, you know, maybe winning dominance, maybe winning a power challenge and just couldn't handle Mace gaining, you know, four or five power each round. Yes. And on the note of Baratheon, they're, they're probably one of the best examples of this in that they have very little control of anything other than kneel like they have some they have you know privileged position to cancel location abilities or events they have in the name of your king to shut down the military challenge but otherwise the main way that as an entire faction they deal with stuff is just by kneeling it before it can trigger for its effect and that goes both for characters in you know obviously character kneel is a big part of their faction identity but also 
you know, for locations, they've got shadow of the throne, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so again, yeah. So you, like you said, you've got, and now you've got different, different factions doing, answering things in different ways that really play into their theme. Yeah. Make them distinct and different and interesting. At the same time, I do think there is a place for neutral cards to be defaults. Um, like one example that we very briefly mentioned in terms of how to answer it, you mentioned Rattleshirt's Raiders and We Do Not Sew in the core set being great ways of dealing with Milk of the Poppy. I think that Milk is so perfect for what it's designed to do that I don't know if I'd necessarily think it, the game was better if we had eight different versions of Milk, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's I, that is a very a very good point. Um, I think there is. I mean, I, I, Hands Judgment, I think, is another great example of that, right? Like they're just baseline cards that. I mean, and Milk is probably the even better answer than, than Hands Judgment because there are, are other event cancels, but baseline cards that yeah, you don't like. I don't really want a better Milk in a faction. Milk for what it is is just kind of perfect. Let it be neutral. Let everybody have it, and then that's kind of all we need. I guess the other example of where having the neutral options is probably better than having a bunch of infaction ones is plots. Yes. Where, you know, it's, you know, theoretically, we could have an entire card pool where each plot was loyal to a given faction. But quite, you know, it, obviously the first counterpoint, I guess, would be that plots like Valor only being available to one faction would just be kind of silly. But putting that to one side, just from a practicality standpoint, it would mean that each faction's card pool essentially would be divided by eight when it came to which plot cards to include. And just having, yeah, having more choice is arguably worth it more than it would be to say, okay, only Tyrell is allowed return to the field. Only Lannister is allowed Valamogulis. Only you know, I don't know, only Stark is allowed at the gates, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think plots, and I think plots are also really interesting when it comes to answers because they're on demand. Yes. You know, I mean, confiscation, right? Um, you know you, you know you're going to see it and you can control exactly when it happens. Um, and so as long as you make that answer balance it correctly um you know because you don't want to make something an automatic uh you know just an automatic plot necessarily but but as long as you as you balance that correctly it rewards players for being smart about when they play their answer which is i you know i think is a good thing and an interest yeah i completely agree i also i do like also the fact that we do have some in faction plots, because I do think it presents a very easy way to, you know, add to the allure of playing that faction. Um, you know, this is less true now that we just have so many neutral plots, but I remember back in sort of cycle one or so, for most of the factions, not all of them, but for most of the factions, your plot deck kind of became your in faction plot and then six others especially sort of Stark with Wardens of the North, where it just, you know, no matter what deck you're playing out of Stark, if it's a mono-faction deck, you're going to have loads of Stark characters, you're going to be able to utilize that effect really well. You know, Tyrell having pulling the strings and just being able to copy, you know, whatever you needed to was really, really valuable and was a reason to want to play Tyrell rather than Lannister. 
yeah, and then, you know, yeah, Greyjoy, you got to play another two-claim plot that lets you do more than one challenge. And I think, so I think the other the other interesting thing about plots and answer plots is different factions can use those and to play into their abilities a little bit. Like, the example I'm thinking of right off the bat is Withering Cold. Um, I think it's been pretty strongly played in, in Baratheon and in Stark, but they use it pretty different ways. Yeah, that's a really good example. Like, Baratheon, you know, a lot of times, obviously, the dream is to... to use it and then play Solis and everything's knelt and then you, you know, you do whatever you, you know, maybe you win dominance, maybe you bring somebody in after and do a couple challenges, whatever that is, but then Stark tends to use it and then try to, you know, trigger the rob, stand everybody and kind of use it more, that more aggressively. So even, even those, some of those answer plots, um, or of course the traditional, you know, the aggressive or defensive valor, you can, different factions can use them. I mean, even even though it's the same effect, you can still it still can play into the faction a little bit, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Is there any other specific cards you want to draw attention to in in this regard? No, I think we we pretty much hit on everything I I saw. I guess I will highlight a couple of cards where I think it's sort of been done wrong. In that, for example, we mentioned Milk of the Poppy. I am not convinced that Nightmares is a great card. Like obviously, it's a powerful card, and it doesn't go in as many decks nowadays as it always used to. But I always felt like it trampled on, you know, the ground that could be dedicated to factions a bit too much. Um, and I guess the best sort of example of that would be something like Show of Strength, where Nightmares is targeted. It highlight it deals with the exact problem you need. It only costs one, and any faction can play it. Whereas Show of Strength is you know a cluster bomb of hitting all characters but it only hits ones of strength three or lower so it won't work on any locations that you have a problem with it might hurt your own characters and it's limited to one faction so why you know obviously if i'm not tyrell i'm definitely not considering show of strength but even if i was tyrell why would i play that card over nightmares and part of that problem is that show of strength is you know just a weak card I also yes. think it's a problem that Nightmares is so strong that you can't make an effect like that without either making it not as good as Nightmares or making it sort of problematically strong in and of itself. And it's a shame because Tyrell, you know, for a good while, they were sort of being pigeonholed as being this ultra constructive faction. You know, they're the, the faction where if you want to draw or gold or you know, cards that say you gain power, then you'd play Tyrell. And one of their uh, faction themes was strength pumps, and it was only really being used to, you know, push through challenges to gain renown. And I liked, you know, the concept of show of strength as being, here's a way of making it so it's worth your characters being strong and their characters not being strong in a way that isn't just you win challenges and gain renown. But right. because the card, because the theme they picked was one where a neutral card had already sort of pigeonholed the market so effectively, it just became a waste of cardboard, basically. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, that strong neutral answers can dramatically limit your ability to design infection cards. Because, like you said, it just, why play it? <laughs> I think you want your neutral cards to, you want, you want most things to have an answer um from a a neutral perspective but you don't want it to be too easy to include or you know it 
chokes that thing out of the game. Another example, I guess, would be barring the gates, where thankfully, like he said in inverted uh, quotes, uh, Kingdom of Shadows is so strong that even with barring the gates being in the meta, it still just can do really well. But in theory, you know, certainly during cycle five, before we had Kingdom and before, you know, there was that critical mass of Shadows cards, a lot of Shadows effects didn't see play just because barring shut them down so hard that it just discouraged anyone from playing them. And similarly, I remember people being worried about exposed duplicity when that first came out, that it was, you know, it was a neutral card, anyone could play it, and it would just kill off all Shadows decks. And, you know, rumours of Shadows death turned out to be exaggerated, and that card ended up being balanced about right, in my opinion. Right. But I think that it is important to try to make sure, if in doubt, make a neutral option slightly weaker than you think it should be. Uh, and maybe it won't see play, and maybe that's a shame, but it's better than it just shutting an entire archetype out of the game, I think. I agree. And I think, so I think there's also two, two things that I want to just jump off of a couple of things you said. The first being right at the end, right? Like, make it a little weaker, and if it's not played, that's a shame, uh, which I totally agree with. But I also think it's much better to have a neutral card that's not played than an infection card that's not played. Definitely. Because there are people that love their factions, and it can be very frustrating when they feel like they've gotten a pack of garbage. And, you know, who knows what the release schedule will be like in the future, if it'll continue the sort of pack model or be as a group, I have no idea. But, you know, but, but I know it, it's very frustrating when you get your cards for the month, and your two cards for your the faction you love are okay and, you know, not as good as a neutral card. Yeah, sometimes you can almost envision how it was nerfed in playtesting from what's been <laughs> left behind. Indeed. So, yeah, the second thing regarding barring the gates, you know, I think it was, it was, probably, st- it was probably created to, to answer a few things. Um, like, I know Lannister early in the meta was running rampant with Heron Hall and Ambush and, and First Snow, but then it ends up being so broad that it kills some other decks that, that don't need the hit. Um, like I, I loved playing Assault, but uh, you know, barring kind of came back into vogue as Shadows became bigger, and it just shut down Assault because because barring you know answered so many different things, it was almost never a dead plot. Um, you know, even if it only stopped somebody from bringing events back into play, or you know, Flea Bottom or Ambush, at least it did something. And then a decks that weren't too strong, but also got answered by it, really suffered. So, so with neutral cards, you can easily make an answer that's strong enough for one type, but ends up hitting inadvertently hitting a bunch of other decks. With barring, I'm sure everyone has either been the Stark player or played against the Stark player who plays their She-Bear on a barring turn and then... <laughs> can't put a character into play because of their own plot it's like even if you're running barring often you have you know even if it's literally just you know like one effect in the entire deck that gets hurt by it like i played obviously night's watch valyrian steel at a couple of major tournaments recently and even in that deck that has no emphasis on comes into play whatsoever it still stopped me bringing janos out of shadows for instance yeah 
Or, you know, or as Nightwatch again, it stops uh, Flea Bottom Alley, right? A card that I don't think anybody would say is a problem, but... I agree. Um, I think another good example that we sort of haven't fully experienced all the effects of, maybe, would be rationing, um, which came out in, I believe, the Baratheon box. And I, for one, interpreted that as, well, we sure made Sea of Blood too strong. Let's print a plot that stops Sea of Blood. But it's worded so broadly, you know, it's not just reactions, I don't know, to winning military challenges. It's any reaction to winning or losing any challenge. And I could quite easily see it becoming one of those cards that just becomes an annoying staple in the meta in, I don't know, let's say 18 months. You know, maybe the the Conclave designs some, you know, some really cool centerpiece effect where it's all based around reactions to winning or losing challenges. And then this plot that was designed to try to rein in one powerful thing suddenly becomes a problem for the whole meta. Well, and and that's another example of, and this is sort of specific, but I mean, I think in general, passive power is not something people love. And that card is kind of an easy button for passive power, right? Um, because it, it stops people from doing things, which, I mean, is ultimately what all answers do, I guess. But, but I mean, it stops everything on every challenge. Like you said, it's so broad that it can encourage some turns of just nothing happening. Already become a very important melee plot just because it stops Superior Claim and Lady Sansa's Rose and All Men Are Fools. And that kind of by itself is enough, but it stops so many more effects in melee than that. I, do you have anything else you particularly want to say on this subject, or do you think we've sort of covered the broad strokes? I think we've we've had a very good uh, neutral answer to that question. <laughs> and then if anyone else has any specific infaction points they want to make that are slightly better than ours, they can do that more bespokely afterwards. Indeed. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much, Alistair, for asking the question. And thank you, Colin, for helping me answer it. Uh, thank you to everyone else for listening. Uh, and until next episode, we'll see you soon.